All right, good morning, church. Great to see everybody this morning. Um, <clears throat> well, if you've been here the last few weeks, you've seen that we're kind of uh, taking a few seconds to talk about our small groups, and this morning I want to talk just a second about college and career. Um, we've got a great group of guys and gals. We meet every Sunday, or going to start meeting when we start back like the others. We're going to meet every Sunday at our house at 6.30, me and Holly's house, and uh, that'll start back September 17th to be our first day back. And the way we communicate, if you are not a part of that group and you want to be a part, uh, it's through an a app called WhatsApp, and it's like a group chat. And uh, so if you want to be part of that group, make sure you come see me or Holly or Thad. He's involved with us as well. Uh, we'll make sure you get signed up because we do a lot of things spur of the moment in that group. Uh, we may say, hey, let's see who's available. Go, you know, eat at Buffalo Wild Wings on a Friday night or something. Uh, as you all know, college and career is a very fluid group, and so you've got to be pretty flexible in the way you, in the way you minister in that, in that setting. So we're going to be studying um, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Jesus' confrontation with the world. That's like Matthew 5 through 10. All right. And um, it's been a long time. I, I can't remember. I was telling Thad, I can't remember. I don't think I ever remember really going through a series on the Sermon. I've heard it preached plenty of times, specific uh, passages around the Sermon on the Mount, but an actual Bible study on the Sermon on the Mount. So we're just going to go through those five chapters of Matthew. And, um, you know, that was kind of Jesus' um, coming out party in a way. The wedding at Cana was his miracle coming out, but that's where he really, I mean, the, the Jews of the day, uh, they, they thought they knew what the kingdom of God was. They thought they understood it. And they, when they heard that phrase, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, they, uh, they were thinking of a physical kingdom where the messianic Messiah is going to come in and usher this kingdom in. And Jesus was like, you guys have no idea. You're, you're totally off. And so it was a revolutionary sermon. And it really, uh, I can imagine if you were a Pharisee listening to that sermon, your, your jaw was on the ground half the time. And, and you were like, this guy is, is, is totally different. He is not who we thought he was. So um, anyways, we're going to get into that. And then you guys know that I travel a lot. And so last half of October, I got to step away into Texas for a few, uh, two or three weeks uh, for work. And so we're going to partner with Family Matters. And Lee Strickland's uh, going to teach us a little bit on uh, some practical application for stewardship, finances. Uh, he's been doing that for years. He's real good at it. And, of course, if you're a college kid or just starting your career off, finances are something you really need to know about. And I'm hoping it'll line right up with about the middle of Chapter 6 where Jesus talks about our treasures. You know, where your treasure is, there your heart be also. So it should lead right into it. So, again, guys, if you're not a part of the group and you want to be, make sure you see me. We'll make sure that you get the latest information. So, uh, Steve, you coming up? Well, about a year ago, you may remember that we showed you a short video of missionary work being done in Bangladesh. Well, that video was made by Don and Cheryl Schroeder, and they are here with us today, and we wanted to give them five or ten minutes to talk to us about what's happening in their ministry. Yeah, we, we uh, first went to Bangladesh in August of 2000. Um, the uh, first flag on the left there, the green flag with the red dot, so that's the flag of Bangladesh. Um, we were, before we went to Bangladesh, we, we lived in Nashville, Tennessee. Our home church in Nashville was Community Bible Church, and pastor there was Jerry Batts. And Jerry Batts and George Morange were good friends, and Jerry introduced me to George, and um, as they say, the rest is history. 
And um, yeah, we're thankful to have been supported by Deerfoot Bible and now Grace Community Church at Deerfoot since we first went to the field in August of 2000. Uh, we last came back for furlough in 2020. Wasn't a lot of traveling done in 2020, so we're sorry you haven't seen us uh, in a long time. And we've never, our, our furloughs have never corresponded yet, be, be here physically present uh, for the missions conference. But we're thankful to have been supported by you all for many years. We've been there for uh, 20 years, 23 years, and are retiring the end of this year. So this is sort of our opportunity to uh, thank the churches that have faithfully supported us for many years and have been a part of the ministry there. We've been in Bangladesh, a Muslim country, 160 million people, and uh, doing various uh, visa identities. First started on an arsenic identity, and um, then we transferred to uh, an English teaching identity, and that was Cheryl's uh, visa platform. I'll let her tell you a little about that. So Don mentioned that Bangladesh is a majority Muslim country, um, of 160 million people, but the other piece of that is it's just a little bit bigger in size than the state of Louisiana, so you can imagine the population density. Yet with, with all those people comes opportunity, and many, many of them are really wanting to learn English, and um, that was our latest uh, visa entry into the country. The government wants uh, their people to learn spoken English. They're taught the British English in school, but then when they hear spoken English, it's hard for them to understand and to speak. So um, Don, in the last two terms, was the accompanying spouse, and I was the visa holder. And it, it was amazing to me how God opened doors for us there. Um, I was... In, allowed to teach even in the medical college in our local town, our local area. Um, and who am I that I get to go into the medical college of the government and teach English to these fine students um, who are going to be the future leaders and doctors of this country, yet so hungry to, to learn the language that we are born speaking, most of us in this room. So God is using that opportunity, not only in Bangladesh, but in probably other, other countries around the world. And, and when I left Bangladesh and said, we said our farewells in June, one of the hard parts for me was knowing there was no one following me in teaching English. So this is a little plug for anyone who might be interested in, in missions and using English as, as a way to enter these countries. And share God's word through, through, um, through that medium that, yeah, please talk to me. Uh, would love to connect you with some ideas and resources. Um, and I just want to thank God for his faithfulness to us through churches like yours that have supported us over 20 years in the work there. We were part of a team. Our mission is SIM, uh, Sudan Interior Mission originally, but now um, works in many other countries other than just Sudan and Africa. So goes by SIM, Society for International Mission or Ministry. And um, we left a team, our team there in the town where we, we lived, 
are continuing the work of outreach that we did through a ministry Don started called Indigenous Outreach Workers. And these are men and their families who were formerly Muslim, who came to faith and are now reaching out in their areas, their very unreached areas, with the gospel. And um, they continue this work and are partnering with expatriates that joined our team from Australia, Ethiopia, and South Korea. So God works in amazing ways um, in sharing Christ with those around the world, and we just thank you for your part in helping us to be there in Bangladesh. We'll, we'll be here after church and sitting over in this area if you'd like to talk or have any questions, and we do appreciate your faithfulness to us, and we thank God for this faithfulness as well. There have peop Many people have come to faith in Christ over the years through the work there. There have been several church, small churches planted among Muslim Bengali people, and we thank God for that, and we just pray that that ministry continues, and we're thankful for your prayers. Amen. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you for your service. And, uh, you know, we may be up here with instruments, guys, or singing into microphones, but we're just worshiping the Lord. And we're just inviting you to worship the Lord with us. So let's stand and let's worship the Lord together and lift his name high this morning. To see my sin 
to heaven guys to praise the Lord forever so I just want you guys to take a minute and just in the quietness of your own heart think about those reasons just you know obviously the cross but all the reasons come up with the two or three your favorite reasons when you get to heaven that you're gonna through your grateful heart uh, just praise the Lord
As I was um, challenged there as Brian or B, however you refer to him, um, as he asked us to think about three things as related to all the many things that we'll be able to praise the Lord for, there were three that uh, just immediately came to my mind, and um, the first was grace, thankful for grace. It's God's undeserved favor. We don't deserve it. But he's been gracious to us. And you know, not only do, is a person saved by grace, through faith alone and Christ alone, plus nothing, but we live by grace. And I don't know how that hits you, but I'm very, very thankful that we live by the grace of God. Um, I'm also thankful for forgiveness. Um, I was sitting there thinking, man, I have, I'm a sinner, I sin. And I'm thankful for the forgiveness of the Lord, that it's complete. I'm thankful for that. And I'm also thankful that one day um, we will be worshiping, uh, not by ourselves, but the Bible tells us every tongue and tribe and people and nation. Can you imagine what heaven is going to be like? It's hard to even fathom that. But as the Schroeders were sharing, I was thinking about the Ambrosius and the Selfs and all the sacrifice, um, Michael and Nina, all the sacrifice that, that's there when you go to the mission field. And for them, how wonderful will it be to share with those people that they saw come to Christ uh, for an eternity to be able to worship the Lord. So there's a lot to be thankful for. We could just stop and do a whole service about that, couldn't we? There's much, much to be thankful for. So I want to begin before we um, turn to a specific passage. I want to Ask the Lord to help us um, that we might be good listeners today. That'd be all right? So let's bow and let's pray together. 
Father, we need you every hour, every moment of every day. We cannot do the Christian life by ourselves, and we're so thankful that you've given us your spirit for those of us that belong to you to be able to live the Christian life to the glory of our Lord. I pray this morning, Father, that you would give us great ears to hear um, what you tell us from your word is we're encouraged to think about all those different ones that partnered in ministry with the Apostle Paul. Some were very well known, some not so much, but all important to the cause of Christ. And so I just pray that uh, you would help us to be more appreciative of those people who are maybe on the outskirts of ministry. Um, they all matter. So I pray that as we consider this morning, maybe um, where we are in that ministry, that you would help us to be able to answer the question, or at least think through it today more, um, how are we serving you uh, with our lives? And all this I pray in the wonderful name of Christ. Amen. How many of you have ever... Um, asked your child to pray, and then after regretted that you asked them to pray. Ran into this little cartoon here, and this uh, boy's praying, we want to thank you, Lord, for all that you've given us in return. You, I hope you like this burnt offering my mom has prepared for all of us. You have to be careful, I guess, when you have children that lead you in prayer. Well, I saw that this week and I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. I won't tell you all the prayers we've had over food at our house, all right? Well, this morning we want to dive into um, another character in the Bible that maybe you are not as familiar with. Um, we're going to look at the man Archippus, okay? Now, if you're taking the class on Tuesday nights um, on how to study the Bible you should recognize that name, Archippus, because you read Philemon at least three times this week, and Archippus appears in Philemon. But for our purposes this morning, we want to begin in the book of Colossians in the fourth chapter. And remember when we started in this series, um, I've entitled the series, Less Known, All Essential. We used the analogy last week of a newspaper, and sometimes, uh, even though young people today might not know so much what a newspaper is they might have heard of a newspaper, but um, a newspaper has many articles in it, and a lot of times the focus is on the front page um, of every section. Um, and so we might know a little bit about what's going on in the world or the sports world or the financial world or whatever. But that first week we looked at an analogy. You remember uh, the illustration that we used. That's the reason some of you came back last week, because you thought we were going to talk about Nick Saban. Um, but we use the analogy of uh, Nick Saban and those around him, and we'll look at that in a moment. But I wanted to remind you kind of of our theme verse, and this is in the context, it's set in the context of uh, uh, spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, the Apostle Paul talks about spiritual gifts. And so that's the context, and context is king. Anytime you're studying the Bible, you need to remember that context 
is king. And so in this particular context, he is writing about the fact that God has placed the members, members of the body, each one of them in the body just as he desired. So everyone in Corinth as a believer was placed in the body just as God purposed so that they could fulfill the purpose that God had given for them, specifically in terms of using their gift. Um, what about you? Do you understand your place in the mem- as a member of the body of Christ? Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Are you using that gift or gifts for the glory of the Lord? And this is very, very important because there are so many that attend church that I believe are frustrated because they don't understand how it is maybe that the Lord wants them to serve. But every single person that's a member of the body of Christ in this room is important to the growth of the body. Every single person. You can't say, well, there are less importance over here. These are the more important. That's not how it works within the body of Christ. The difference in the body of Christ is giftedness. Everybody has been gifted differently. And so as a believer, maybe you've never heard this, but I want to encourage you today that if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have a gift, at least one gift that God wants you to use. Now, this is very important, that God wants you to use. Okay, that's the key phrase. Not Thad wants you to use. God wants you to use ultimately to bring glory to himself. Is that okay? That sound all right to you? So how many of you are on that train, you understand what your gift is and how you are contributing to the body of Christ for his glory? That's really, really essential. I didn't understand that when I was a young believer. But as I got older, I began to see how different people within the body function differently. You have those who are encouragers, You have those who are teachers. You have those who are administrators. There's a long list of gifts that are given to us in the New Testament. And it's important that we understand what that gift is or gifts so that we can, guys, listen, this is very, very critical, so that we can encourage one another in the body of Christ. If you are only here to be encouraged by me, you've missed it. Okay, and that's very important to hear. I'm just one person. I can't get around every single person on a Sunday morning. But did you know that in this room right now, there are people that have the gift of encouragement? Do you know that? And those people, you need to find those people. Those are really great people to be around. It's great to be encouraged in the body of Christ. There are teachers within the body of Christ. And you need to latch yourself on to those people who can teach the Word of God. That's very, very critical. So there are a lot of different gifts within the body of Christ, and they need to be used for His glory. We don't need to place one member over another. It's function that's different. Okay, that's very, very important here. All right. We used week one the analogy of some of you guys that are fans of Alabama. Not all of us are fans of Alabama. I'm not, just in case you need to know that and you're visiting with us today. I'm an Arkansas Razorback and proud of it, all right? My second team was Navy, but they got destroyed yesterday, so I'm going to have to move on from Navy. Um, Nick Saban, right, is well-known. Well, in Nick Saban's world, there are people that have influenced his life, and we talked about that the first week. Those are three names that are known by many, many people who've watched just football over the years. They know who Chuck Knoll is. 
they know who Tony Dungy is. Uh, they know Saban's most influential person in his life was Bill Belichick. All right, they know that. So we said, hey, look, but there's some others that are on the bottom that are lesser known but valuable in that man's life. Okay, and he gives testimony as to the value of the different ones there uh, mentioned on the bottom. Well, we said, okay, this is in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is kind of the key central figure outside of, obviously, Jesus Christ. But in Paul's ministry, there are people maybe on the A-team, guys that we know about, guys that we've heard about, Barnabas and Timothy and Luke and Silas, okay? Those are four that immediately might come to your mind just because of how often they are mentioned and how much they were involved in the life and ministry with the Apostle Paul. But what about the ones on the bottom? You know, we looked at Phoebe last week. We talked about Epaphras the first week. And this morning, we're going to talk about Archippus. It's not Archippus, okay? It's Archippus. Their names are different, aren't they? Can we say that? And um, I don't know if they had, like, nicknames or whatever. Uh, Ark is probably what I would have called Archippus. Hey, Ark, what's happening? Um, But nonetheless, these are people who were around and centrally important to the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul. So if you begin to compare it and you think, okay, well, how does that work itself out in the church? Well, you might say, well, the pastor's here. I hate even saying that. But the pastor's here, and then here's some elders, and here's some deacons. And then here, here are the people that are in the congregation. I don't like saying that because the key person in the middle is Jesus Christ. All right, he's the head of the church. And then you have elders and you have deacons. But you have people in the body of Christ that you might not even know. You might not even know how they contribute to the life and ministry here at Grace. But they're all important. Okay, And that goes all the way down to the youngest one who's saved. Are you listening to me? All the way down to the youngest one that's saved. You say, well, that, but they're not going to know their spiritual gift. They might be six, seven years old. They probably don't. But you know what? They're important in the body of Christ, and they need to be encouraged just like you do. Okay? So when you look at this, I want you to think in terms of the body of Christ and that everyone within the body of Christ is essential to the body. Everybody got that? All right, we're moving on. Let's look at specifically some of the things we've seen to this point. With Epaphras, we saw that he was an intentional prayer warrior. When you think about Epaphras' life, that's what comes to the forefront. We, we studied that a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we looked at Phoebe. And um, Phoebe's a controversial figure for some because of the issue of the word diakonos. But as we saw last week, um, whether or not she had an official position or not, she was important to the body of Christ. Not only at Sincrea, but to Rome, because she would be the one to deliver that wonderful letter on soteriology. All right? Well, I put three other categories. One we'll, we'll look at this morning, and we'll be able to maybe give an assignment to Archippus and how he contributed to the body of Christ. But what about you? One of the things that happens, guys, is we live and we die. And you might know the date of your birth. I hope you do. Um, More importantly, I hope you know when you were born again. But um, the question for you to consider is, how will someone speak about your life? 
See, because you look at these different characters and, and they have phrases and words attached to their lives, right? Well, what's going to be said about us? Is it even important? Is it important? Does it matter? Or is it just going to be kind of one of those things where a pastor gets up and says, well, they, you know, they had a great job and big family and they like to fish and hunt and Say, what the There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with talking about fishing and hunting and a job and all that. But you ever been to a funeral absent of something that's spiritual? It's empty. It's empty. Sorry, that's just the truth. The reality is we have, as believers, an abundant life. God has given us an abundant life, and he wants us to celebrate the life he's given us, and part of that celebration equals service. So what will be said about you? And then, obviously, if I'm going to ask you, I have to consider what will be said about me. All right, that's fair. You're okay with that one, right? What's going to be said about me at the end of my life? And here's the thing. We don't know when the end is. You know, a lot of people, I remember when I was younger, I thought, man, I'm going to live to 80, 90 years old. I never really thought much about death or sickness or illness until I got to be about 20 years old. And I was exposed to a guy who was terminally ill, and, and he was a young man. I'm like, man, this is different, right? You don't see that a lot. And when you see younger people die, it kind of makes you stop and pause and think. And then we eventually move on with life. But this morning, I want us to think about our own lives as we look at this man's life named Archippus, because Archippus, I'm going to tell you something, he was very critical to Paul and the ministry that the Lord had given uh, to him. So let's look together at Archippus. He's mentioned two times in the New Testament. Um, He's mentioned, first of all, in the book of Colossians in chapter 4 and verse 17. And that's the one that we want to focus our time on. I will allude to the Philemon passage in just a moment. All right, look what it says, chapter 4, verse 17. And these are definitely words you could easily skip. I mean, this is right at the end of the letter. Uh, But it is worthy of our consideration. Look at this. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Okay? You say, man, that's just not a whole lot. Oh, it's more than you think. All right? Um, And I know that because I did lots of time, spent a lot of time digging. Let's go through that verse. So, first of all, we have to understand there's a command given to Archippus. This is not something that Paul is suggesting to Archippus. He's not saying, hey, if you feel like it, do it. He's saying, do it. Okay? Well, what's he telling him to do? Hopefully we can... Kind of understand that a little better in a few moments. First of all, he says, say to Archippus. Well, who's supposed to say this to Archippus? You say, well, if that we learned a couple weeks ago that Epaphras was the one that started this church in Colossae. He probably had an integral part in the church beginning. He was the one that brought the gospel to these folks. Well, it wasn't Epaphras. We can eliminate Epaphras because chapter 4... Verse 12 tells us that Epaphras, 
who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends his greetings. Well, if he's sending his greetings, that means he isn't with Paul. And he's not the one that's going to be reading this. Honestly, I don't know who it is that read this to Archippus. Um, it may be the fellow that's mentioned down in verse 7. Here's another wonderful name, Tychicus. And imagine having those, those guys in your church, Ark and Tick. All right? So, I mean, so here it is. It could be. I don't know that it was, though, based on verse 16. I think it really is the church that's to remind Archippus of his responsibility. Notice it says, when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and, for, and you... For your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. I personally kind of lean toward the fact that it's the church that's to remind. He's not real specific. I don't know that it's Tychicus that reminds. It could be. But nonetheless, the, the responsibility was there to say something to this man. You know what's interesting about that word say? That word say in the original language speaks of assembling a person coming together and giving that person a message, giving them something to consider. In fact, in the original language, it, the, the, there's a force in this word that indicates urgency. There was an urgency to the message. It wasn't just like this casual, oh yeah, by the way, say this to Archippus. No, 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 no. It was, hey, say it to Archippus. It's, a, it's that important, okay? Um, in fact, you could say that it's kind of like a military term here that Paul uses, which fits. You say, that? how in the world does that fit? It's like a military commander, I wrote in my notes, speaking to his men. You say, that? where in the world did you get that? Well, if you dig a little bit more, you come to find out the meaning of the name of the man Archippus. You know what his name means? Master of the horse. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? That is not the meaning of my name. Master of the horse. I've ridden horses. I rode one a few, several years ago, and I thought I'd be able to wear my John Wayne hat, and I, put, I had to put a helmet on. Enough of that. His name meant master of the horse, but it's interesting that when you go to the description of Archippus in the letter uh, we have called Philemon, he's referred to there as a fellow soldier. Isn't that interesting? A fellow soldier, which describes one who's willing to engage in battle and warfare. You say, well, why is that important, Thad? Do you remember why the book of Colossians was written? They were going through some war warfare, weren't they? Theologically, there were people sta uh, standing outside of what we would call the safe zone. And in chapter 2, you remember a couple of weeks ago, it was mentioned in the video. I know you remember because your minds are so wonderful. It said this in the video, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. And so there's a lot on the line theologically, and, and I think there's a little bit of urgency here as 
Paul writes this to the church at Colossae, I think in essence he's saying, hey, look, get the dude in front of you and tell him this. That's what I believe is actually the force of the language here in the original. I was looking up um, some interesting information about, it just brought my mind to uh, times where commanders um, engage their own men and kind of give them a speech and I was uh, taken back and I began reading a little bit about Dwight Eisenhower. Are you familiar with Dwight Eisenhower? By the way, students that you are in high school, surely they're teaching you about Dwight Eisenhower. This is what he, he said to his men as he gathered them for D-Day. As they were gathered for D-Day, this was the message he conveyed to the men. Soldiers, sailors, airmen, the eyes of the world are upon you. Your task will not be easy. So I began, wow, that's a really important message for all those guys to hear, right? Well, listen, this is spiritual stuff. And I see it like this. The church gathers this man Archippus and says, hey, look. This is from the Apostle Paul, his own hand. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. Say, wow, come on, that is that really that important that we'd be talking about that on a Sunday morning? Yes, it is. Because if the Lord was here to address us, you know what he would say to all of us? Fulfill the ministry I've given to you. That's what he would say. You say, if that I don't have one, well, all believers have one. We have a ministry. You know, our primary ministry is to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have specific ministries within the body that the Lord expects all of us to embrace. Well, here it is. He says, say to Arch- Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. Now, I don't know if if how it hits you, but I broke all this down because I want you to understand it, okay? I wanted to understand it first, so I studied all this, and that phrase, take heed, is an important word. It's, it's a word in the original language that's the word blepo. Isn't that a cool word? Say it. Blepo, all right? The word blepo, it's, it's an imperative in this context. It's a command. So this is why we said the command that was given to him It's a command, and it's in the present tense, and it means, hey, you are to continually be alert to the ministry that God has given you. That's what Paul is telling this man. You're continually to be alert to what the Lord has given you to do. Do you think Archippus knew what that was? Absolutely, he knew what that was, all right? You know, it's interesting, if you go through and and you look at the, kind of the, the, what I would call like the... The, down to the gold nuggets as you're studying the words. You know, that word blepo was used in the Greek culture to speak of someone bringing a boat to shore. He says, what in the world does that have to do with any of this? A lot. Because if you're going to bring a boat to shore, how do you want to bring that boat to shore? Carefully, safely, paying attention to what? The weather. Paying attention to what? 
the reefs, the rocks, all the things that could obstruct you from getting to your location. That's the same idea of this word. So this is what Paul's saying. Listen, hey, look, the ministry the Lord has given you, you need to keep your focus, right, on the task at hand, on what the Lord has given you to do. If we're to look at it from the way the word was used in that culture, it would be this. You're to keep your eyes, Tychicus, or excuse me, Archippus, you're to keep your eyes on the lighthouse that's going to lead you safely to your destination. And so what's Paul saying to Archippus? Hey, you're to keep your focus on the light who is the Lord Jesus, the one that's given you this ministry. Even as hard as it may be, that's to be your focus. So he says, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. That word ministry there is the same word that we looked at last week with Phoebe. It's the word diakonos. And so when you look at it, you go, okay, well, he was to really focus in on the ministry of being a deacon. Well, that's what some people believe that Paul is saying. I don't. I don't believe that's what Paul is saying to Archippus at all. But I have to acknowledge what some believe. Some believe that that's exactly what Paul is telling him, that as a deacon, he was to focus on the ministry that the Lord had given him. But there's something there that makes me think it was more than just being a servant. And as I studied it, it just drilled me right between the eyes. There's a little word there in verse 17. Look what it says. Say to Archippus, take heed to... He doesn't say ministry. He says the ministry. You say, oh, that's too technical. No, it's not. No, in fact, there are times in the New Testament where an article appears in front of a word and it appears there for a reason. All right? It appears there for emphasis. And in this particular context, it's not only for emphasis, but it points to specificity. There's something specific that Paul wanted Archippus to do. You say, well, what was it? I don't know. I don't have any idea just based on what I have here. But I suspect it had something to do with the spiritual lives of those in Colossae. I expect that as a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, Archippus was key in encouraging the saints there in Colossae when all those things that were being thrown at them in terms of false teaching was going on. It could be, and some believe, because he's mentioned in the book of Philemon, that Archippus was actually um, Philemon and Aphia's son. In fact, if you turn the pages over to Philemon, and there's just one chapter... It says, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphia or Aphia, either pronunciation is correct, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier. Some believe, based on that particular reference there, and the article that occurs in chapter 4, verse 17, the word D, that Archippus was indeed 
a pastor. Maybe not the pastor there in Colossae, but a pastor in the home of Philemon. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I believe, based on study that from chapter 4 in Colossians, that there was something very specific that the Lord had for that man. Now, you say, that. how does that affect us? Well, I believe that God has something very specific for you. What is it that God wants you to do? What's the specific ministry that he's given? Guys, you know, in my life, I haven't had all these clouds hanging over me. I had times where I was questioning, Lord, what do you want me to do? But he cleared it up, right? He gave me clarity as to what he wanted me to do. And when the doors opened, I walked through. When I was 20 years old, I walked through a door I didn't necessarily want to walk through. And next thing you know, I've got 12 students I'm teaching the book of Revelation to. Don Barrett said that I want you to come 1986, back in 1986, he said, I want you to come to Lake Charles Bible Church and I want you to serve as an intern for a summer. And one of the first assignments he gave to me was teaching adults on a Wednesday night. Mm. I was 22 years old. I didn't think I had any business, and I probably didn't have any business teaching people who were in their 40s and 50s, seasoned believers. But you know what? I was like, okay, Lord, you want me to walk through that door? I'm going to walk through that door. How many times has the Lord opened those doors and maybe we just said, no thanks? You ever done that? I've done that. Have you done that? You know, it could be, hey, the Lord opens this door and he wants you to talk to this person about him. Or the Lord opens this door and he wants you to minister to someone. Listen, we do not assemble together Right? We don't assemble together just to sit here. That's not why we assemble together. We assemble together to worship the Lord. We assemble together to minister to the needs of the body. We assemble together. Hey, we have to see around us. God's given us purpose. We don't just attend church. So the Lord had given to Archippus a specific ministry. Something specific to do. And Paul doesn't take that lightly himself as an apostle. In fact, he, it's like, if he, I think if Paul had him right in front of him, he would have said, hey, dude, get with it. Stay with it. Okay? I base that on what he tells him next. So he says, take heed to the ministry. And notice he says, which you've received in the Lord. It's something from the Lord. You know what's so wonderful? Is that when, as a Christian, the Lord opens up the door... He's the one that's done it. And he's the one that's going to give you the ability to do the ministry. It's not going to be in your own strength, in your own wisdom. He's going to be the one to do that. We have to be able to see that. And that's, that's what Paul is wanting Archippus to do. He wants him to see, hey, look, this is critical to the life of those believers in Colossae. Chuck Swindoll, in talking about um, this particular section, he wrote this about vision because the word uh, that, that Paul uses there, the word blepo, he says, vision is the ability to see God's presence, to perceive God's power, and to focus on God's plan in spite of the obstacles. That's good stuff. Because can I tell you what's going to happen in the ministry? There are going to be obstacles. There are going to be obstacles in the ministry. In 35 years, there have been lots of hurdles in the ministry. 
We say, Dad, how do you get through those hurdles? Trust the Lord. You know, one of the things when, in track, when you run hurdles and it's painful, you ever run track, any of you, and run the hurdles? Any of you done the hurdles? Any of you ever run down a track with hurdles in front of you and tried to jump the hurdle? Okay? I had friends of mine in high school, and I ran track, but these guys were guys that could hurdle that, and it looked like just really simple to do. So a few days, I would try it, and invariably, I would always hit right here. Have you ever hit your shin on one of those? It hurts. Guys, the hurdles in the ministry hurt. They can hurt. They can hurt pretty bad. Um, can leave bruises. Can leave marks. But can I tell you something that's really rewarding? That even when you approach that hurdle and you may hit your shin and you still go over that hurdle as it's falling to the ground, you have a decision to make. Am I going to stop? I'm going to let that hurdle be an obstacle that I say, yeah, I'm done with this, or am I going to keep running? That's what happens to us. It happens. Paul knew it, and that's why Paul gives more instruction to Archippus. And he does so in this last part, and this is his concern. His concern that was that Archippus would complete the task how many of you heard sermons preached at funerals where people talked about someone finishing well? You ever heard that? I'm sure you have. So how in the world do people finish well? Well, you got to keep your eye on the Lord and you got to be controlled by the Spirit or you're not going to finish well. Paul tells, Tim, uh, Paul tells Archippus in this last part of verse 17. He says, Say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. Now, that's a good message in and of itself. But that's not where he stops. He says that you may what? Fulfill it. You know what that word means? It means to complete the task. Complete what the Lord has started in you, Archippus. Complete what he's given you to do. That's the nature of his instruction. So if it's good for Archippus, who we don't have much ink on, guess what? It's good for us. It's good for us. We're to fulfill the ministry that the Lord has given to us. In 35 years of ministry... Verbally, I've probably quit a thousand times. I've had days of discouragement and weeks of discouragement and sometimes even years of discouragement. And if I was just relying on my own strength, you know what I'd be doing right now? Driving a truck. We had a guy in New York State that drove a milk truck. I always thought it would be kind of cool to transport milk. I don't know why, but he let me drive that thing around the parking lot when I was up there in New York. His name was Danny, and 
he calls me one day. He said, Dad, you like, drive, you like big trucks and driving? I said, yeah. He said, hey, I'm going to bring my, my, my truck up to the church, and you can drive it around the parking lot. And I'm like, really? They got really excited, and so he brought his milk truck. He was on his way to New York City. He did that five days a week. Imagine driving three hours one way to New York City back every single day. He drove up to the church, and I thought, man, here's my time. So if the ministry doesn't work out, I'm going to drive a truck. And I might as well test it to see if it's going to work. So he comes up, I get in the truck. And I start driving that thing around the parking lot. And I, I mean, that thing is just a bouncing. Well, one of the things I figured is you got to get it like going full blast for that thing to run really well. And I said, I said, Danny, I said, do you think we can take it down the road? He said, absolutely not. <laughs> but I figured out in that short trip, bouncing up and down, that while I probably could drive a truck, there would be no satisfaction in that. That's not what the Lord called me to. So it may be, guys, that you want to drive a milk truck, but God's called you to do something else with your life. And Paul says to Timothy, hey, look, I mean, excuse me, to Archippus, fulfill, complete what you have been given by the Lord. Um, you know, the Lord Jesus, before... The cross in the upper room said this. The task that the Father had given to him, he said, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished. The cross was still ahead of him, the work which you have given me to do. You say, wow, that was quite a mission the Lord had. You know, one of the things we learned from the life of the Lord Jesus? He was dependent on his Father. He had time with his Father. I like what um, Stephen Cole says. Um, well, yeah. Sorry, I got that out of order. He says, when you come to the end of your life, will you be able to look back and say, I've completed the task that the Lord has given me to do? Well, there's another time that that appears. And I wanted to just share this with you briefly. There's another time that appears, and it's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Do you know the context of 2 Timothy at all? Do you understand when Paul writes that passage? When he writes the words that we have? Do you know where Paul was? He was at the Hilton when he wrote those words. Did you know that? He really wasn't at the Hilton. He was in Mamertine prison. If you do a little research on that, that prison, that prison was for the ruthless criminals. And you know how that thing was um, built where there were steps leading down to an area, right? A common area. But when you got to the common area, there was a hole that was cut into the floor. And the prisoner was lowered down into that hole. That's where they spent time. That's where the apostle Paul was when he penned these words. The Bible tells us that he tells Timothy, hey, bring my cloak that I left at Troas. Well, why would he ask him to bring his coat? He was cold. He was underground. But there's something there that, that Paul doesn't even focus on that would have been really 
interesting. Um, that was also an area where it was, it's, it's said that um, sewage was up to their knees. So I was like, wow, okay, the Roman sewage is underneath and, and that's where Paul's hanging out. That sounds lovely, doesn't it? He's hanging out there. He's cold. There's no telling what's crawling down there with him. Okay? And the Bible says he has the wherewithal to tell Timothy something that would have been, for Paul, very critical. Because he was, in essence, telling this protege, hey, you're the guy now. Notice what it says on that, in that verse. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, because hardship comes with ministry, and it comes in various forms. Do the work of an evangelist, because apparently he didn't have the gift of evangelism, but it did not, it did not, um, it did not void the responsibility to evangelize. And then he says, fulfill your ministry. Complete what the Lord has given you to do. I read that and I think about the context and the setting of that and it just blows me away. You know, all along the way, if you read 2 Corinthians 11, you could see points in time where Paul would have probably wanted to throw in the towel. He was being beaten. He was shipwrecked. There was all kinds of issues that he went through personally. But he stays the course. And he finishes, as we know, the course that the Lord had for him. Look at verse 6. He says of 2 Timothy, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. Well, we don't live back in the first century. Nero is not on the throne. But Paul would lose his life. And his head would be chopped off. For the Lord. And do you know, church history tells us that Archippus was stoned to death. Now, I don't know how you hear that, but you know what I hear when I hear, hear that? That Archippus was stoned to death. You know what that tells me? He was obedient to the task. He took the words of Paul and said, yep, this is what the Lord wants for me. Well, I want to encourage you with three things to think about before you leave. Um... The first is, will we be diligent to fulfill the ministry the Lord gives to us? We need to be. And guys, it will be marked by many hurdles, but keep running. Secondly, be faithful through the difficult times in ministry. That's when it's tested. And then the third point is, be one who leaves an example to follow. So Archippus apparently left an example to follow based on the way his life ended. Um, got one more verse from Acts chapter 20, one of my favorite verses. As I think about the life of Paul, he says, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. Guys, this is where it starts. 
so that I may finish my course and the ministry. And the Lord had given him a specific ministry, as we know. He says, which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. As the Lord will empower you and give to you, you might be a little fish, but God wants to use you for his glory in the ministry. Back in 1979, 78, 79, Around that time, there was a man that played basketball at Jeff State. His name was Mike Anderson. How many of you recognize that name? Mike Anderson, any of you? Okay, a few do. Um, Did you know that uh, he transferred to a school where Nolan Richardson was coaching? How many of you have heard of Nolan Richardson? A few more. Just in case you missed it, rolling with Nolan, 1994, we won the national championship. Hallelujah. But did you know this? You have pretty well known Nolan Richardson. Well known Mike Anderson, but not as well known as, as Richardson. Did you know, though, at Jeff State, there is a man in our audience that worked on that staff. Did you know that? How many of you know who that is? Look at that. His name is Tony Cooley. Now when you compare Nolan and Mike to Tony in the world, lots more people are going to know Nolan and Mike. Right? And not so much Tony Cooley. Although we love you, Tony Cooley. Here's the reality of it, guys. When we get to glory, maybe not many are going to know your name, but the Lord will. And the expectation that the Lord has for you is the same expectation that the Lord has for me and that the Lord had for Archippus, that we would run the race and that we would finish it to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, there is so much in your word I know when I was young, I, to be honest, I was afraid with some of the passages because I just, I was like, ah, I don't know that, and I'm not sure I'm going to say the right things, and so I made it more about me than I did about your word, and I confess that was the case. I've gotten older than you, I've come to appreciate more and more every single word that you've given us. Surely I will want to close my eyes before I go in your presence, being able to say, I considered all of what you had to say. There wasn't anything that I passed. Just because it's hard or just because it's not as popular doesn't mean we don't need to be in it. And what a lesson that we learned from this man, Archippus, a man who took heed to what Paul said and continued to minister there in Colossae and eventually lost his life because of his faith in you. And so I pray it would encourage us as believers to stay the course. Thank you, Father, for all these different ones that we're able to look at that can encourage us that every single person within the body of Christ 
has something to offer. And ultimately, that is for your glory. And all these things, um, I just pray in your name. Amen. Hi, guys. So, um, Holly can tell you that I uh, do not dance. And uh, if you saw me dance, you'd, you'd say that's a good move. You don't need to be dancing. But there's a day coming when I think I'm probably going to dance, and that's the day that I am rid of the burdens and sins of this life. And I think all of us are going to dance. Um, Dad said that, uh, you know, they may not everybody know our name in heaven, but I bet we're all going to be dancing, guys. And that'll be it from every tribe, every tongue, people from Bangladesh, people from all over the world. We're going to be dancing together. So let's stand and let's close out our service singing about that.
on the streets that are golden, glorious bright and the great son of man. Every tongue and tribe and nation will join in the song of the Lamb. Will join in the song of the Lamb. what Miriam and all those guys did. They sang and danced, right, after the Lord parted the Red Sea. Well, I want to make just a few announcements, and then uh, we'll pray for the Uganda uh, trip. Uh, we will be having a visitor's luncheon on September the 10th, and so if you're interested and you've been visiting with us here at Grace, uh, we encourage you to sign up for that. There is a sign-up sheet out there uh, in the uh, foyer uh, at the Welcome Center, and so I'd encourage you to sign up for that. We'll also be having baptism on September the 17th. We already have a few candidates for that, and so we will definitely be having that on the 17th of September. If you're interested in being baptized and uh, you want to do that, please call the church office, and uh, you can set up an appointment to meet with me uh, before that day on the 17th. Um, this morning, we want to pray for the Uganda group. We do know the Alaska team did get back, and they got back this morning. I don't know why they're not in here with us, but I guess <laughs> probably a little bit tired, but we'll forgive us grace, right? We said that at the beginning of the service. Um, so I'm going to ask that the Uganda team would come up uh, right now, and we want to pray for those guys that are going to uh, Uganda. Um, my wife is actually going to Uganda, uh, but she... So I will be without meals for 13 days. So just in case, just wanted to throw that out. <laughs> All right. And so uh, there's some folks from Indiana, actually, that are going to join this group as well. But I might ask you to pray for Teresa because her mom had a stroke on Wednesday, and she's doing okay. It was just um, she uh, nothing physically where she was paralyzed at all. Um, she has full movement, um, but she... Um, just has a little bit of memory issue, just confusion there, and then um, I was not able to get out what she's wanting to say. I think the other day when I was visiting with her, she, she wanted to say, you're the best son-in-law <laughs> someone could have, but it just didn't quite come out like that. So, um, But I had a good time with her the other day, but that's where Teresa is this morning. She's, she had spent the night last night and, and helping her mom. So um, we want to pray for this team, and uh, Bruce Grubbs, one of our elders here at Grace, is going to come and, and pray for these guys. And when he's finished, then you'll be dismissed. Family. It's amazing to me, Father, that in eternity past, you saw this moment. And, uh, wow, just to think about that. But I want to thank you for this this church, this body of believers, and making an opportunity for this team and several other teams that have already been uh, to go and to serve you. And they're going to Uganda. It's a long way away. But, Father, you know all about it. You know them. You know the people that they'll be ministering to. And I just pray now that your spirit, who indwells my brothers and sisters here, that 
they would be sensitive to him as they're serving and that Father, your spirit would be preparing those, the hearts of the people that they'll be ministering to. And I want to thank you ahead of time for what you're going to be doing in and through my sisters and brothers here. Not only these, but the ones that are in Indiana as well. We just thank you for how you're going to be working. Just protect them as they travel. Protect them as they're there. Use them for your honor, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're dismissed.